Father, once again, would you come and do your work through your word and through your spirit that we might meet with you and have the realities of which it speaks, gospel realities, eternal realities, break through into the busyness of our lives that we might be changed by them. This we pray in the name of your Son. Amen. Well, friends, last week... Once upon a time, we went with Lucy, and we went with Alice, and we went with Dorothy through the wardrobe, through the looking glass, through the cyclone, even to Narnia and Wonderland and Oz. And we discovered that the world we see is not the only world that is. The world we see is not the only world that is. We believe in a world beyond our own. We believe in life after death. We believe in eternal life. We believe in heaven. We saw heaven described in verse 4 as an inheritance. And we noted three things about it. First of all, that it's imperishable. That is, it will never die out. Secondly, that it's undefiled. Heaven will never decay or spoil. And then thirdly, that heaven is, is unfading. The experience of it will remain permanent and intense. Now, it's only been a week since we looked at these object lessons, but let's uh, take a look at them again. First of all, our plant. Yeah. Now, this week, I went back and apologized to the first two services for calling this a pot plant, um, and explained that, you know, I now understand. My wife has never given me a pot plant. This is indeed a potted plant. And uh, I'm grateful for those who pointed that out to me in the second service. I'm also, I would like to note on record, I'm officially ungrateful to David Stevenson, who noticed this in the first service, but didn't tell me because he thought it was funny. (laughs) Heaven will never die. This plant is dying. Um, last week it was beautiful in bloom, now it is withering, and it kind of smells weird. Actually, something might happen if you smoke this, right? <laughs> Second thing we said was that it, uh, unlike, unlike milk that spoils, heaven will never spoil. Yeah, you need to come and look at this after. The lumpiness is just... I haven't even I haven't opened it yet, and I'm... That's it. <laughs> nervous, I like it. (laughs) Heaven will never spoil. And then thirdly, we said it will never fade, and I showed you my driver's license, which uh, one week on is one week nearer expiring. Things in this earth die. Things on this earth spoil. Things on this earth fade. Not so with heaven, we said. We are a people who believe in happily ever after. In God's fairy tale, made true through the gospel that we will live on forever with him. Now, Peter isn't quite done yet with the topic of heaven. He has two more things he wants to share with us in verse 4 and verse 5 to really get our hearts around and our minds around before we we move on from this topic of heaven. So let's note these two things together. Uh, The first thing Peter wants to emphasize before we move on is that uh, these riches of eternity, the riches of eternal life, everything in heaven that will never perish, spoil, or fade is already kept for you in heaven. Heaven, point one, is kept for you. We see that in verse 4 where those those, uh, words appear. Heaven is is kept 
for you. The idea being that the riches of eternal life are already uh, stored up. They've already been set aside. They're already waiting for the believer. In other words, the glories and wealth of heaven are, uh, you could say, a, a future hope in the sense that we don't embrace them now. But they're also a present reality. Why? Because right now, in this moment, as we sit here in these seats, they are kept waiting for us. This idea that's introduced in verse 4 is then amplified in verse 5, where we read that our salvation is ready to be revealed. Salvation being used as a synonym for inheritance is, is ready. It's waiting. It's not half-baked. It's not in process. It's not still to be worked up and conjured up. No, it is already there waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting to be revealed, we read. A very graphic term that's used to describe how you would pull back a curtain. Used to describe how you would pull back a veil to see what is there. And so Peter tells us that your inheritance, the blessings of heaven, are not delayed because they're not ready. They're deferred until God's perfect time. Heaven is kept for you. My wife's primary love language is gifts given. Gifts given. Now this presents a challenge to me because my primary love language is not gifts given. It's not how I feel loved and therefore I'm not particularly good at loving others in that way. I've said before that if my wife's love language was words of affirmation, I would be the man, right? Um, Since it is not... I am not the man, right? Our primary love language is, is gifts given. And so, you know, every time an event, you know, birthday, Christmas, Valentine's Day comes around, I just get a, I just get a little bit stressed, right? And I kind of embody that principle. You know the economic principle? All husbands know this principle, where the closer that you get to the day, the more you're prepared to pay, right? It's just kind of a law of economics. And so um, there was a re- an occasion recently, and we're getting closer to the day, and I, I, say, to, I say to Rosie, what, what do you want? What, what can I get you? And she's like, oh, I don't really know. And I'm like, oh, that's so unhelpful, right? Um, and so I go out, and I get a couple things, and she's been running recently, so I, I bought her a new pair of, of running shoes, and I took them home, and I wrapped them, and then I put them in my secret hiding place. Now, she's here, so I can't tell you where that is, right? Secret hiding place I have where gifts, gifts day. And then, a couple of days later, she comes to me and said, oh, I know what I want now. And I'm like, yeah. And she says, I'd like some running shoes. And I was like, yes! <laughs> right? Except, it was like a poker face, yeah, so it's just like... <laughs> Uh, I was delighted. The thing she wanted was already purchased, already wrapped, kept waiting for her. And so Peter says, heaven, this inheritance, it has already been purchased by Christ's blood and it is already wrapped and waiting for you. It's not delayed because something needs to be done. It's deferred until God's perfect time. Heaven is kept for you. Second thing though that Peter wants to emphasize before he leaves this topic is, yeah, not only is is heaven kept for you, but importantly, you are kept for heaven. 
Heaven is kept for you, but you are also kept for heaven. Now this is an important point to me, because just think with me. It's of little comfort and little encouragement to think, okay, the riches of heaven are stored up there, can't be harmed, can't be touched, sure, certain guarantee, but there's a chance still that I might screw up and not make it. There's a chance that I may make shipwreck of my faith and not actually experience the blessings that are already there waiting for me. What does it avail us, Calvin says, if our salvation is stored in a quiet port while we are crushed from shipwreck to shipwreck? We need more than just the security of heaven. We we need something to make make us secure. Which is why Peter writes verse 5. You see it there? An inheritance kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Think with me on these words. The key word, of course, is is the word being guarded. Originally, one word in Greek. And first of all, this idea of, of being guarded. The verb form indicating that God's protection of his people is not just standing by. It's not just on guard. It's not just a 911 call away where he'll be ready to come and step in. No, it is a present reality that oversees the believer. That right now, in this moment, you are being guarded. Guarded, what does this mean? Well, it's actually a, a military term that has, has two connotations. First of all, the term is sometimes used to describe people who are, who are guarded or protected from an attack. The idea of being shielded. Secondly, though, the term is also used to describe when you guard someone to make sure that they don't escape. So protection from attack and protection from, from escaping. And both these ideas are in view when we're told that God guards us. First, he guards us from attack. From attack that comes from without. The discouragement of life, the struggles of um, day-to-day existence, even the attacks of Satan and the temptations that come our way. He's ready to protect us from these things. But it's not just that he protects us from those things that come from without. He also guards us in the sense that he protects us from those things that come from within. I'm not just guarded from attacking enemies. I'm guarded from escaping myself. Now, as one who is prone to wonder, that's good news. You know, remember when our kids are little and just beginning to walk and you, you attach these kind of safety harnesses to them it's basically like a leash for a kid okay? um, and they run around and scuttle around and they're quite happy and then just as they start to get too far oh, it catches them and you have them I am glad God has me on a leash I'm glad that his grace doesn't just protect me from without but protects me from within shields me from attack and stops me from wandering off That's how the Lord guards us. Now we're being guarded, yes, but what else does the verse say? Being guarded by by what? By God's power. (laughs) By God's power we're being guarded. And again, what an encouragement to us. Not being guarded by something small, not being guarded by something insignificant, not being guarded by a force that's going to weary or wear out. No, being guarded by God's power. So all of God's might and all of his splendor and all of his divine energy and activity has been marshaled in order to guard his people. 
And so we see that that God, who is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, uses his power in order to protect his people. He's not just a force to be feared, that he has kind of might at his disposal with which he could crush us, but through the gospel, he marshals this power, marshals this energy to protect his people. His people have been placed in his scarred palms, and he is jealous to ensure that none are snatched from him. Guarded, yes, by God's power, but also through faith. See that, those words? By God's power being guarded through faith. What does it mean that we're guarded through faith? Well, we could say that God works for us, yes, but he also works in us. And then he uses what he's worked in us to protect us. An example from scriptures to help make this clear comes in the book of Ephesians, where in chapter 2 we're told that it's by grace we have been saved through faith. Remember the words that follow? And this faith is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So yes, you've been saved by grace and you've been saved through faith. And this faith is not something that you have conjured up, but something that God has given to you. Then in chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul tells us to, what? Take up the shield of faith, that we may extinguish all the darts of the evil one. In other words, he's saying, the gift I have given you, faith, is the thing that will now guard you. The thing that I have given is the thing that will protect. Let me give you a real life example to perhaps make this a little more concrete. You remember Jeff Stables, the missionary to Scotland with Young Life who we've been praying for over the last few months. Uh, he, uh, a young man with a wife and, and, and young kids recently diagnosed with advanced cancer. He is now back in the States um, looking into different hospice options. Received this email uh, from, his, from his wife. Quick update on Jeff. He started to struggle a bit with feeling low. Just how hard it is to be back home waiting to die. The loss of independence and purpose that he's been used to. God wastes nothing. All is used, even the more humble and hard things. Cancer may strip him of so much, but it cannot take what God is knitting together in his heart. He is becoming less as God becomes more. And while that sounds noble, it is a humble, hard path that many of us do not travel far on. He's still eating, sleeping okay, not too much pain. Gets winded, but can get out and walk a little. He's reading a lot. We're listening to The Last Battle as a family at night. We talk a lot about heaven and still about healing, but more about freedom and what that means in Christ. Anyway, we so appreciate all the prayers and and efforts on your end. Love to you all. Becca. How is it that a family, a young family facing death, facing losing a husband, facing losing a father, how is it that they're not just crushed? That they're not just immediately uh, despairing? They're not defeated and destroyed? Answer, because they have faith. Faith in what? Well, faith in her own words. Faith that God wastes nothing. Faith that all is used. Faith that cancer can't take what God has been working in Jeff. 
Faith that heaven is real, so healing is coming. Faith that they'll see each other again. Faith that we're free in Christ, so in death we'll only be more so. God has given them this faith. It's his gift to them. And now this faith is guarding them. Without this faith, they'd be crushed. With this faith, they overcome. Heaven is kept for them, and they are kept for heaven. And before we leave, do you grasp the, the practical importance of these words? The practical importance of these truths that Becca's email embodies for us. That the certainty of what awaits transforms the experience of waiting. The certainty of what awaits transforms the experience of waiting. Because we know what's coming, because we know that heaven is kept for us and we are kept for heaven, that changes everything here today. I have a silly example and a really significant example. Silly example comes uh, in the fact that I am a, I'm a big soccer fan and I'm a big Manchester United fan. Right? Um, greatest team in the world. Um, it's great being the preacher because I can say that and you can't argue with me, soccer fans. <laughs> right? um, not until after the sermon. Right? Um, uh, my granddad was a Manchester United fan and so I grew up watching games with him and now I watch games with my boys and we all wear shirts and we just, we just love watching Man United. Now, watching me watch Man United is a kind of uh, unusual experience because I tell you that I love this team and then for 90 minutes I'm just full of angst. Right? When we're playing, if we're tied or if we're losing or even if we're winning and I'm afraid that we'll soon be tied or losing, I just watch the whole thing in a kind of state of... Now, it's college football season, so many of you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. You watch your team play, and it's just full of tension, right? Well, one Sunday morning, I DVR'd a game, and before I got home, uh, a dear member of our church told me the result, right? Church discipline, baby, right? (laughs) And uh, it turned out that we'd won. So off I go home, put on the game, sit back on the couch, put my feet on the coffee table, and chill. Now, my wife, who's, I've conditioned her to living with a strange and unusual creature, is somewhat surprised by my now normal behavior, okay? Just sitting watching a game, and she says, oh, what's going on? And I say, oh, I know the score, I know that we won. The certainty of what awaits transforms the experience of waiting. And so even when the other team attack, and even when there's near misses, and even when the drama of the game unfolds, I sit there with it being well in my soul. <sighs> Much more significant example. You heard from Daphne Birdsinger this morning. Did you catch when she said, although I pray for healing every day, and we ought to pray for healing, and we'll continue to pray for healing, because God works miracles, And we're not fatalistic about this. Although I pray for healing every day, she said, I am at peace because I know in God's new earth, Clifford will have a perfect body. This prayer has been answered. It's just a case of when. And the certainty of what awaits has transformed her experience of waiting. I'm not wanting to be naive as if it is devoid of hardship, devoid of pain, devoid of sorrow, but in that there is hope. 
hope that overwhelms the rest because we know what's coming. And so, (laughs) Peter says to you this morning, your gift is wrapped. Your team has won. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you've overcome. Do you have this faith? Do you know this, Jesus? All the good things we've been speaking about, all the hope, all the joy, all the potential, all the life is only found in relationship with him as we come, receive forgiveness full and free, and then hope for this life and eternity. If you do, then you have strength for your loneliness and strength for your troubled marriage and strength for the worst of relationships. And you have hope despite your physical challenges and despite your mental health issues and despite the fact that you've just lost a loved one. And you can overcome even through boredom, even through uncertainty, even through fear because your gift's wrapped and your team is one. Heaven is kept for you and you are kept for heaven. Okay, you say, if I'm kept, how come there's all this struggle and sorrow in my life? And Peter says, verse 6. Let's look at it next week. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we need your spirit to make the realities of your word uh, come alive in our experience. The busyness and the routine and the hustle and the bustle distract and overwhelm and shift our focus away from eternity here onto time. And so would you break through, Lord, break through the words that you've written by the power of your Spirit that we might believe heaven is kept for us and we are kept for heaven. The present is wrapped. Our team is one. The certainty of, a wait, of what awaits has transformed the experience of waiting. Lord, for those this morning who need that hope in a pronounced way, Grant your ministering grace that together we would have eyes on you and a hope that won't disappoint. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.